Mr. Bellinger. Great. Thank you, and uh, welcome everybody in Germany. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here uh, with you to talk to you all. I wish I could be there in person. Uh, we have found that it's important to try to uh, get out and uh, talk more frequently about the complex subject of uh, detainees uh, and Guantanamo. Uh, there are a number of misimpressions that are uh, I think have become prevalent over the last few years, uh, uh, particularly in Europe, and that have become conventional wisdom. Uh, and I think it's unfortunate we have simply not had enough American officials out uh, really engaging in dialogue and uh, answering people's questions and trying to correct some of those misperceptions. So I'd like to really just have a discussion with you this afternoon. I'd like to take right up front just a couple of the things that we see uh, are uh, most frequently misunderstood and then uh, happy to take your questions. Um, I thought I'd actually start in a sort of an unorthodox manner with a uh, taking a quotation from a European official that I saw uh, just last week. I'm not going to name who it was, but it was a senior European politician uh, that simply reflects, I think, the uh, how the legal framework uh, is misunderstood with respect to detainees in Guantanamo. Uh, and uh, this individual said, with their flair for action, Americans sometimes overlook complexities. The way in which prisoners are treated at Guantanamo Bay illustrates this. In a state governed by the rule of law, Everyone is innocent until proven guilty. But at Guantanamo Bay, people are being detained indefinitely with no prospect of due process of law. They are said to be, quote, unlawful combatants, end quote. But this is a rather vague accusation, which in any case has no basis in national or international law. Now, that really, that statement while I sympathize with the goals of the speaker, is really wrong um, on virtually every legal point. Uh, and I think it's simply because the area of, uh, of detainees in, in a war uh, is something that's misunderstood. Um, the report of the UN rapporteurs that was issued several weeks ago uh, uh, fell into the same trap. It was written largely by human rights lawyers uh, who applied uh, traditional domestic law concepts and therefore concluded that all of the detainees in Guantanamo are simply criminals who need to either be tried uh, uh, under domestic criminal law or allowed to go free. Um, let me explain our position on a couple of these things. Um, I know that the uh, phrase that we have used, the war on terror, is one that is uh, troubling uh, and uh, is controversial in Europe. And let me distinguish between the political sense of the term and the legal sense of the term. The, our policymakers use the war on terror in its political sense to mean uh, that all countries need to be against terror, the idea of killing civilians in order to terrorize populations. That's exactly what 
the leaders at the UN and the UN outcome document said last year, we condemn terrorism in all of its forms. When our policymakers say that there is a war on terror, it means that all of our countries need to be against terror everywhere in the world. It doesn't mean as a legal matter uh, that we are in a legal state of war with every terrorist everywhere in the world and that we can therefore go shoot people or arrest people on the streets from every terrorist group everywhere. It depends on the circumstances. As a legal matter, though, we think that it was quite clear that when U.S. and coalition forces went in to Afghanistan pursuant to a UN resolution authorizing the use of force and that the soldiers captured people uh, in al-Qaeda training camps uh, or fleeing uh, uh, in, in the caves in Tora Bora or that had been captured by uh, other Afghan forces fleeing and were turned over to us, that that's not a simply a police action. That is not the same as capturing Massawi inside the United States or Matosadek inside Germany, in which case the conventional criminal laws can be applied. This was a clearly a state of international armed conflict in Afghanistan, and the traditional rules of international armed conflict apply in those circumstances. The problem, frankly, is uh, that while there is a stretch and a desire uh, amongst all people, uh, and myself certainly included, that individuals be subject to a legal framework, uh, very, very, very few people understand, because very few people are trained in it, that in a international armed conflict that the appropriate rules to follow are those of inter international humanitarian law. Uh, and so in this case, the suggestion that people need to be, those detained in Guantanamo need to be tried for crimes or let go simply misunderstands the applicable legal framework. Uh, so the suggestion in the quotation that I read to you that it's uh, that people are innocent until proven guilty, that's clearly the appropriate legal framework inside each of our own countries in a civil or criminal context. But in an international armed conflict, when people were captured during World War II or in any other war, you capture the people who are fighting you, and in fact, you presume, if they are fighting you, uh, that they are combatants, uh, and you do not presume them to be innocent. You presume that they are combatants. Uh, simply the idea that they are being detained indefinitely with no prospect for uh, due process of law. Uh, again, in an international armed conflict, people who are picked up on the battlefield are detained until that conflict is over. And I'll talk in a few minutes about the procedures that we've put in place because this is obviously a different kind of conflict. And then finally, the suggestion that we have made up the term unlawful combatants, which has no basis in national or international law. I wish we had frankly taken that on uh, much earlier because it has been, I think, accepted as conventional wisdom amongst critics that that's a term that we made up. I did not bring with you the stack of international law treatises that, in which I can read to you from numerous European scholars on uh, the Geneva Conventions on 
uh, prisoner of war law going back decades, but it's very clear and an accepted term in the international law that individuals who take up arms illegally uh, and therefore are not entitled to prisoner of war status because they have engaged in illegal activities and have not comported themselves according to the laws of war, therefore are combatants because they are fighting, but they are unlawful combatants because they are doing it in an illegal way. So this is not a term that the United States has made up. It has been long accepted uh, in uh, the military manuals of all of our countries, and I could read you a long list. And I think we've, unfortunately, by not taking on some of these criticisms head on, uh, the, uh, the, there have been a number of misimpressions that have been left. Um, let me end with just a couple of other uh, notes here. I think no country could have been prepared on September 11th, either uh, militarily, obviously with respect to intelligence, or frankly legally to address the sorts of people who uh, we found fighting us and training against and, and having trained in terrorist training camps in Afghanistan. No country, including the United States, could have simply uh, uh, had uh, pulled a book out of the shelf and looked and found a page uh, that clearly covered uh, armies of terrorists like this. So we have uh, done our best to apply uh, the appropriate rules. We think it's very clear that the traditional criminal law rules do not apply to individuals captured by our soldiers 3,000 miles away across uh, the world. We have carefully analyzed the Geneva Conventions as well and determined uh, that the individuals captured in Afghanistan uh, are not entitled to prisoner of war status under the Geneva Conventions. It's simply a matter of reading the terms of the treaty, and I'm happy to take questions on that. Um, and what we've therefore had to do is to adapt to uh, a armed conflict with these kinds of individuals, uh, and that has meant uh, as we have gone along making many changes in Guantanamo uh, that simply uh, have not been noticed. Very few people wear orange jumpsuits anymore, uh, and yet that is the image that is being left with people all around the world, that everybody in Guantanamo is uh, wearing an orange jumpsuit, kept in solitary, and wheeled off on gurneys to be uh, interrogated or tortured. Uh, People now believe this because they want to believe it, and the United States has had a very difficult time uh, trying to correct these misimpressions. Uh, the majority of the people in Guantanamo now are uh, housed in open bays, have numerous hours of exercise per day, or in larger prison yards, wear tan jumpsuits. The president has invited the press to come and view these things, uh, but it's very hard to correct misimpressions once they have sunk in. With respect to the concern about due process and about holding people indefinitely, again, we have tried to adapt, adapt legally uh, to what was a simply an unclear legal framework. We have added a number of different procedures to address the concerns. We have uh, instituted what are called combatant status review tribunals, uh, which review the case for every single detainee uh, in Guantanamo, these were the tribunals that were ordered by our Supreme Court and that allow every 
detainee uh, to argue his case, to argue that he was not actually fighting when he was uh, picked up. Uh, he has the assistance of a uh, military official to help him make his case. Uh, and several dozen individuals as a result of uh, that process have in fact been ordered released. So that process to determine that people uh, who were picked up fighting, that there was uh, sufficient information to continue to hold them. Secondarily, to address the concern uh, that people are being held indefinitely, even though that is absolutely the norm in any kind of an international armed conflict, of course we understand these concerns uh, that we are fighting here uh, as much as fighting terrorism and in a conflict with terrorists we are also fighting uh, unfortunately uh, a public diplomacy battle and it's important here to address these concerns about uh, due process and human rights so we have added uh, additional review mechanisms even if a detainee is determined to have been properly detained as a result of the combatant status tri review tribunal every detainee's case is reviewed once a year through an additional process called an administrative review board uh, that uh, he can make his case he has assistance his country can bring, come in and make arguments on his behalf to argue that even if he was properly detained there is no reason to continue to detain the individual because he no longer poses a threat uh, so normally in an armed conflict you hold people until the end of the conflict because you expect if you let them go that they will go right back to fighting you. In fact, in this case, about 10% of the individuals who we have released have gone right back to fighting us and have in fact uh, killed a number of individuals already uh, even though they have been released. So in case there's any question that the individuals who are there uh, uh, perhaps do not pose a threat, I think perhaps tell that to the to the those who have been killed by them when they have uh, been released uh, but the administrative review boards are to determine does the person continue to pose a threat has the war in fact ended with respect to that person uh, and so we have added these additional procedures uh, to address uh, concerns uh, that uh, have been raised so let me stop there uh, but my overall point simply uh, is uh, that uh, on September 11th, 2001, uh, we found ourselves in an unprecedented legal position of detaining uh, large numbers of terrorists, unlike the domestic terrorists who we have found individually in our own countries and whom our societies have been able to deal with over the years. These were individuals found fighting us on the battlefield. There was not a clear legal framework contrary to what critics say uh, that covers these individuals. In fact, let me say, if it were also clear, I would question why is it that half of our critics say that the criminal laws apply and the other half of the critics say, well, clearly the Geneva Conventions have to apply. I think the answer to that question is simply that the laws that apply to armies of terrorists trained across the world and who are picked up by our soldiers are simply not clear. Our societies did not have frameworks that were ready-made to deal with these kinds of individuals. So with that, let me stop and happy to take your questions.